Hello? Carter, Carter, it's Dan. Do you hear the good news? No, no. What's up, man? What is it? Your favorite uh, Georgetown basketball podcast got renewed for season two. No way, Kente's Corner? Dude, I <laughs> love Casual Hoya. That's the... No? No, not at all. Keep guessing. Um... Oh, 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 I got it. Okay. The, the Hoyas 247 one. I love that one, too. Bro, okay, come on. Really? I, really, you're going to go there? Nah, what are, you, what are you talking about? You really don't know. No. What's going on? You don't remember DC's Take 5? Oh, that piece of shit? Uh, yeah, I mean, the name sucks. <laughs> <laughs> come on, it's for No, no, it, it's coming back now. It's coming back now, yeah. I, uh, yeah, it's, it's, thing. Dude, it's been a while, man. That it has been. That man. it has been. We all we each had to get away from uh, Georgetown basketball after uh, an ending that really caused me to think about what I was doing with my life rooting for this team. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, here we are again, man. That's the, uh, that's the nature of addiction. <laughs> it really is an addiction. When you think about it, I was speaking about this with one of my friends who roots for the Knicks, and he said, I, we, we, every year we just keep getting excited about these teams. And it's like, when will we ever learn? But I, I keep telling myself this year's going to be different. Hey, you know what? Let's just embrace it, right? I don't know about you. I, I know we both saw the Joker movie recently, and I, I feel like at this point we just got to embrace the chaos. comes with rooting for the team, right? Absolutely. It's our sinking ship, so. All <laughs> <laughs> aboard the Titanic. Hey, here we are, man. It's uh, electric boogaloo time. DC's take five, back in action. Doesn't that just make your ears bleed? It really does. Hey, it, it, this song's also an addiction. We've, I first came across it when I was a Georgetown freshman going to these games, and I thought it was actually lit. I heard it, I was like, man, this is so cool. <laughs> this goes on before the games. And as you get older and older, you learn to hate it, and then you relearn to hate love it. It's, a, it's, it's an abusive relationship. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But uh, honestly, though, um, I, I'm sorry that you can't escape it, even though you're not at Georgetown anymore. No, but let me tell you something. Being off that campus for the first time in four years, it's been a really nice, positive change. So I'm appreciative. No, I feel that. Dad, I was I was very much ready to turn the corner and yeah. uh, take the next step. Yeah. Well, we we should give an update to the people. You know, all all fifty listeners that tune in. Hey, we this. we hit a hundred on the Trey Dickerson. That's true. That's <laughs> episode. true. We did it. For, hey, in in the typical of uh, you know, the words of one of the most iconic figures of all time, Ray J. We hit it first. We did. And we uh, did. imitation is the biggest form of flattery. Yeah. And after we formed, this was the first Georgetown podcast, to my knowledge, to my knowledge, yeah. after we set this up, had some success, a lot of people formed Georgetown podcast. And, you know, I take that as a very high form of a compliment because oh, if we really, if we really put an effort, we could have done pretty well. Oh, dude, imagine. Yeah. You could have fucked around and like got a job at Casual Hoyer or something. Yeah, let's not go that far, buddy. <laughs> mm. Okay, yeah, you're doing fine, man. You're doing fine. You got your own radio show. 
Yeah, it's one of those things. Just got a new radio show today. Going to be talking about New York sports. Hey, when the Empire uh, when the Empire Classic comes around in mid November, which we will be attending, mm-hmm. hopefully we should be able to go live from there. Maybe Ooh. it it'll be hey hey we might fuck around and uh, <laughs> have some fun there. That would be awesome, man. Yeah, but uh, it would be. Like I said, we're back here. Going to talk about the Hoyas upcoming season. I'm still on campus. For those of you who care. Uh, <laughs> I'm a senior with really, really strong senioritis, um, wrapping up the job search, trying to make my way out to the West Coast. Um, but yeah, yeah, without further ado, I think we got a lot to talk, we got a lot to talk about. My yeah, it's interesting because a lot of people viewed last year as setting the foundation for what this team is and what it could be. Yeah. You had the three freshmen. So the goal was these three kids really need to have a successful year and lay something down which way they can spring upwards and reach greater heights. And I think that was accomplished considering they all made the all Big East freshman team. James won the Big East freshman of the year player award. And not only that, Ewing brought in some big time players that a lot of people are seeming to say aren't getting enough recognition, but that's because their name brand isn't necessarily as big, but the way they gel with this team just works. And it's going to make Georgetown a deep, a really deep team that is that can beat you in multiple different ways, I think. Yeah, I think we're sneaky deep. It's, uh, it's the type of thing where we don't have a sexy team by any means, but that seems to be the flavor of recruits and players that Ewing likes. I mean, if you, especially if you look at our freshmen, they ended up outperforming a lot of five stars. Um, <sighs> And it, it's funny, like, I hate to, you know, drag on him more because we did a lot last year, but Jelly Fam, Javon Quinterly, sucked. <laughs> and now, yeah, he was he pretty bad. He couldn't cut it at Villanova, so now he transferred to Alabama and might, might have to wait out a year. Um, but it's, it's a very, I think, a good testament to how hard everybody Ewing has recruited works and the dog that they have, which is something that we've talked about at Spades, but... It's nice to see it come to fruition, at least looking back on the year as a whole. Obviously, there were a lot of ups and downs throughout it. I agree with that. And you dove, you dove into it in one of the episodes that we did last year, and you kind of broke it down from a psychological perspective in how Ewing looks to recruit. And he actually affirmed that. One of the recruits that recently signed on to this team, I'm blanking on his name at the moment, Dante Harris. Dante Harris recently committed to Georgetown, and he said a big reason why he came to the Hilltop was what Ewing said to him. He said, I don't care how many stars you have. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how athletic you are. I care about how bad you want it, how big your heart is, and how hard you're going to work when you get here. Mm -hmm. And that's been a real consistent theme from the kids who he has recruited and I think is beginning to show on the court. The work ethic, the intensity, and the passion. You don't necessarily need to be the loudest player, but you got to be willing to, as our boy Gary V says, put your nose in the dirt and grind. Yeah. Well, he says it a little bit more explicitly than that, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll leave that up to the viewers. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but you're right. I think uh, looking forward to this season in particular, we do have a lot of people coming on that should be able to provide meaningful minutes. Obviously, our team's going to revolve around our now sophomore core. Um, in addition to Omer, who's now fully integrated on the hilltop, uh, working hard, 
in and out, you know, on the court and off the court too. He's in actually one of my psych classes and asks a lot of questions. He doesn't even, he takes notes in a notebook. Like he's serious. That's great to hear. It's nice and refreshing. Sometimes the best way to learn is to not take notes and just fully absorb yourself and what the professor's saying. Yeah. I know a lot of people don't teach that way, but the class that I learned the most out of from Georgetown is that we weren't allowed to take notes. We just, it was, it was boom or bust. You were either going to sit there and pay attention or you were going to sit there and stare into space. So you might as well just pay attention or at least attempt yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Was that, that was intercultural communications, right? That it was yeah. my least favorite class, which ironically was one of the most valuable. Yeah. Who'd have thought, man? Who'd have thought? Um, but yeah, I think, especially me, I've been able to get a decent view at how everybody looks from a physical standpoint. Also, like Mac and James and Josh have came to Yates a few times in the beginning of the year when the Thompson Center was closed because they were waxing the courts. Um, and, and seeing everyone in person has been really interesting. I think, you know, maybe start with the new faces that we have. Um, there are a lot. Uh, but I think, yeah, I, think, I think probably the most prominent one is Galen Alexander. Well, that's a hot take. Really? Yeah, I definitely – I think from a need perspective, I think Galen Alexander is – getting him was crucial. Obviously, he's had a bit of a checkered past with his uh, – it was a dismissal at LSU. Am it I was, correct? yeah. And it was that because he was shooting a, an airsoft gun on the street <laughs> yeah. or something? Yeah, it was Honestly, something like that's, that. Yeah, it said that uh, where he and a few other teammates allegedly shot paintballs at pedestrians on campus, which is pretty funny, but <laughs> that's besides the point. Galen fills a big need considering the players who are leaving Georgetown at that wing position. All We really only had Jamarco going into this year because Caleb Johnson and Greg Malinowski each graduated and are on to bigger and better things than Georgetown hoops. So Alexander is really going to be counted on by Coach Ewing to step in immediately, provide some veteran leadership and ability to put the ball in the bucket. Yeah, 100%. I think from a talent perspective, too, we we're sleeping on him. I mean, he was – I forget. Was he a top 40 recruit or top 80? Probably top he was, 80. He was top 80. Yeah. He was a four-star recruit ranked 79th by ESPN. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's that's awesome. Um, I, from a physical standpoint, he's pretty imposing. He's about 6'7", maybe 6'8", 225, 230. With broad shoulders, like he's he's big. Um, I've actually I saw him play at Yates once too. Actually, I don't I don't know. I guess my timing with this is really good, but um, or maybe you stalk these guys and follow them to Yates. <laughs> what? Uh, anyway, he uh, <laughs> no he, he big loves to get downhill to the rim. Even in some of his JUCO highlights, a lot of posters, a lot of athletic finishes. I think the question with him is going to be how his shot comes along, kind of opposite to yes. DeMarco, I'd say, you know, in terms of their games. Like, if we combine them into a player, we'd probably have a hell of a starter. But uh, I, I think even from a, you know, starting perspective, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get the nod over DeMarco. He started in the Bahamas games that they had, and I had a, I, I heard, you know, word around the street, too, that DeMarco, his uh, discipline was not great this summer as far as showing up to practice on time and putting in his best effort. Well, Jamarco really can't afford to be slacking at all considering his performance last year and yeah. a campaign that saw a lot of people disappointed with his effort. And we all know how talented of a defender Jamarco can be when he's motivated and engaged. But Galen Alexander, he's a talented kid, as you said, broad shoulder, shoulders, incredibly muscular. And when he enrolled at Jones County, he played like 25 minutes a game, shot over 53% from the field. 36% from three. 
so he can shoot a little bit. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of my impression I got. It's like... But then again, Jones County, it's 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 not the level of play where he's going to be stepping into. Here, the game's going to be sped up a bit. We know he can play at this level. It's a matter of transition and getting his feet up to speed with how quickly the game is going to be played. And the question is, how quickly can he get adjusted? Because if Jamarco goes through struggles like we saw him last year, we're going to need Alexander to be able to step up and fill that void from a defensive and offensive perspective. Yeah, and I really wonder, in terms of fit, how it, you know, how it works with the other starters, because I think the other positions are pretty clear-cut between Mac, James, Josh, and Omer. Yes, I would agree with that. I think those four locked in as close to every game starters. Yeah. So I think from what we need from our wings, defense is probably going to be most important, especially because Mac is undersized at the two. Yes, without even a question. So, I mean, from that end, it wouldn't surprise me to see Jamarco start, but I also think, you know, if you are a complete offensive liability like he was for a lot of last year, then it's going to be really tough to uh, find minutes. And and I think, you know, going off of a theme that we've been building on, the team is deep enough now to where if Jamarco sucks, he doesn't have to play. Like, he can get benched. He, is Jamarco a Ewing guy, or was he here before Ewing stepped in? I think he was part of his first class. Okay. See, that's a rare outlier, given if, if what you say is true, and the rumors are true, that he wasn't necessarily having the best discipline and showing up to practice on time, being engaged all the time. It's disappointing, to say the least. But he has a chance to put all of that to rest this upcoming week as Georgetown hosts Mount St. Mary's. They'll play another mid-major team before gearing up for a a really crucial showdown against Penn State. So Jamarco is going to have two chances to impress Coach Ewing to keep his starting spot heading into that game against Penn State because those two two games are a tune-up. Kind of yeah. like allowing Ewing to practice, play with what works, see what lineups Gallon Alexander and the other newcomers work best with, because they're going to need to be on their A game if they want to beat Penn State, even though it's at home. 100%, yeah. I'm really excited for that game. Um, and just, you know, the rumors, I heard them from the manager, so <laughs> I think they're pretty accurate. Yeah, I would say so. Do you want to move on to a couple of other new, uh, yeah, newcomers? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, well, well another big guy who uh, came in was... Kudus Wahab, am I correct? Oh, yeah. He was the best recruit that we got last year, star-wise. Um, he was a solid four-star out of Virginia. Um, really, really big, too. He's about 6'10", 6'11". Um, and, and played very, very well over the summer. He's a lot less raw than I thought he would be. Yeah, I would agree with that. I haven't seen a ton of the highlights from the Bahamas or... Kenner? Um, Kenner League because I was away at that time. And, you know, it's honestly sometimes good for your mental health to step back and just isolate yourself from basketball, oh, yeah. <laughs> especially since it consumes my life so much during the year. But based on what I know and I read up on him and watched highlights and scouted him beforehand, he's just an animal. The guy is a physical <laughs> freak. He gets up. He's vertical. He is incredibly imposing down low. And the, the, the key is Ewing and this coaching staff are just going to have to work with him to avoid foul trouble mm-hmm. and 
slowly work and slowly try to teach him how to stretch the floor. Yep, that's because um, he's and defensive technique, I should say, on the other side of the ball, because we're going to need someone to be able to step in and provide backup center minutes to Omer Yurtseven if Omer ever gets hurt, God forbid, or picks up two early fouls in a game. One hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, going off of what you said, he had a thirty twenty game, thirty twenty game in the Kenner League, um, which I mean. <laughs> Kenner is Kenner, right? But yeah, that's, yeah. that's impressive regardless. And the highlights, bro, it, is. it was a lot of jump hooks around the paint, finishing off pick and rolls and lobs. He's really vertical, runs the floor super well, but he can't hit free throws. And he, I mean, the Kenner League, I think, had a 10 foul limit, and he still fouled out one game. So, well, that's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> He's a fond maker in the making. Um, well, you have to love the motor that this kid brings that yeah. you know he's so active around the rim even if it's active just to be active he's always moving looking to establish better position and the kid loves banging his body around oh yeah he's so big he feeds off of contact he plays better when the game is physical so it's important that georgetown utilizes that in ways that benefits them I mean, they can really do that by trying to create matchup mismatch, mismatches down low, getting switches, running him through the pick and roll, especially if his awareness and movement's good through that. And Georgetown has three point guards that are capable of running the pick and roll. Yeah, yeah. Um, that actually ties into the next person we we're going to talk about. But, but Kudis is about 6'11", 240, 6'10", 240. Um, Georgetown just announced a new roster, so... Of course, I was stalking those a few days ago. Um, as you have to. As you have to. Um, but you're right about the shooting, too. And I think his touch is a little underrated. Um, he hit a couple mid-ranges in Kenner League, and I saw him and um, – who was it? I think it was Tim. Tim uh, Iguahofe, the other – one of the other bigs that Ewing recruited, shooting mid-ranges at Yates. Um, this is not like a flex to say I go to Yates that much either. It's actually the more I think about it, the more <laughs> the more the more crazy it is uh, that I would just see so many different players there. Um, but he he has nice touch, that's for sure. Um, I mean, you, every, anyone can make a wide open shot, but I think by the time Big especially e, at that level, yeah, I, yeah, I was gonna say, but I think by the time Big E's play rolls around, he's in a little better shape, used to the physicality uh, and what he can get away with. He could provide some really valuable minutes. We're going to need him against teams like Xavier in particular, mm, and yeah. probably even Seton Hall. He's going to need to play big-time minutes in big games because those are arguably the two best teams in the Big East this year. It's not a knock on Nova. It's more of a me saying yeah, you're, Xavier's going to be real Xavier. damn good. You're gassing Xavier, bro. I'm with you on Dude, Seton Hall. I, I, yeah. I mean, watching them at the end of last year, and we'll get into this in our next episode, they're good, dude. They are really freaking good. And if Najee Marshall takes the next step, they are going to contend for the title, the Big East, with Villanova and Seton Hall. But again, besides the point, Mm -hmm. uh, I do want to talk about, and this is the person I would actually argue is my favorite new newcomer to this team, and it's the UCF grad transfer, Terrell Allen. Mm, Yeah. I actually totally forgot about him. <laughs> yes, yeah, see, this is, this is one of the things where you look at, and Terrell Allen isn't necessarily a player that jumps right off the page, but he's a player that Georgetown got because he's interested in his schoolwork. He actually met with uh, our, our boy Jimmy Lynn, and we oh, had yeah. the inside scoop that Allen was coming three days before he actually committed <laughs> because Jimmy hit us up and told us. Imagine if we uh, were still he, popping, we could have leaked it on Twitter. 
Oh, yeah, but Jimmy did ask me not to tell <laughs> Yeah, he gave me a call. Yeah, it's like, it's like Terrell Allen signing here, but just don't tell anyone. I was like, well, thanks, appreciate it. <laughs> but uh, regardless, he I think he's a great defender, and he's a guy who is just so f- fundamentally sound in everything that he does. He's going to have such a calming presence to this team. He's someone who can step in as a second backup point guard and really effectively run the offense. He could have stayed at UCF and been probably the starting point guard. He would, yeah. But he reckon- I mean, yeah, absolutely. He was, he was the starting point guard on the UCF team that almost beat Duke in the tournament. Yeah, he played well so in clearly, that game. Yeah, he did. He played well in their first game, played well in the second game. He really worked to shut down Trey Jones in that game as well. So well, it's not hard to shut down Trey Jones. You just back up. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, still, still, he played tough. They actually switched to a zone midway through that game because Duke just couldn't shoot. Yeah. Um, but you have to ask yourself, why would he leave if he had seemingly had everything at UCF, and why would he pick a program like Georgetown where he won't even start? It clearly says that he sees something in this team and probably in James that led him to want to come here and help James out and help this team forward. No, I think you're right. I mean, even from a winning standpoint, right? This is his last year, right? Mm-hmm. If, he, if he could have gone multiple other places, he's probably just going to go to the place where he can win because he's played, you know, as much as he can play. And I think his professional stock probably won't change much this year. But No, I don't know if he has much professional stock, if we're being honest. But he's a guy who I look at and I say, okay, this is a signing that counteracts the top players in this league. Who are the top players in this league? Marcus Howard, Miles Powell. Honestly, and a couple of other big-time guards, you see Paul Scruggs at Xavier. You see Marcus um, Marcus Zagorowski in Creighton. Oh, yeah. This is, yeah, the Big East is really guard Matt heavy. McClung, Georgetown. Matt James McClung, Akinjo. James Akinjo. <laughs> all, all these teams have dominant on-ball guards, and Terrell Allen is a very sound on-ball guard defender. Our biggest issue was that when we beat Seton Hall last year, Jake and Mosley did a fantastic job in the second half in overtime on Miles Powell. But what did Seton Hall do? Like any good program does, Willard found the weaknesses in Jagan's defense, and Powell feasted. I would he, he score 29 points in the first half, something like that. It might have been more. I think I, it was maybe 30-something. He might have hit 30 in the yeah. first. No, that was, it was oh, at least God. 28. And I had a front row uh, seat for that one. Oh, that was Same, cool. fam. I took a bus ride right after class to get up here to watch that. <laughs> what, a, what a time to be alive. I, I was I so upset after that game. <laughs> I know. I know. Let's, we don't need to rehash it anymore. Uh, yeah, but this gives Georgetown a third very viable defender to throw on those yeah. lead guards and just switch them up. So it's basically, let's say James comes out, Terrell, Terrell Allen comes in. And then Allen comes out, Jacob Mosley switches on him. So you constantly have fresh, capable defensive bodies on these lead guards. The great thing about Terrell, too, is he can play off ball. He shot 41% last year. I mean, I know they're back in the lineup a little bit, so all those percentages will go down. But he can shoot, unlike Jacob. So he can definitely spell some of Max minutes, too. I wouldn't be surprised to see him and James run together a lot. That would be as defensively imposing of a back as of a backcourt. Well, they they can both shoot, they can both run the pick and roll, and they can both defend. I mean, they're a little small, but yeah. And the thing is, people forget how 
effective of a defender, an on-ball defender, James became at the end of last year. He really stepped up his aggression and his discipline on the defense, really started moving his feet more rather than reaching in and getting an early foul trouble. So it leads me to believe that Georgetown could be, really take the next step on the, on the defensive side this year. Dude, I think so. I think so. Uh, let's. I guess before we get into returning players, let's just run through these other recruits. They're, I would say, less major in terms of what their impact is expected to be, but they're still worth mentioning. So we got Myron Gardner out of Spire. He played with Lamelo. Uh, was kind of the third option for that team, but behind him and Rocket Watts. But he is springy, athletic. You know, still a little baby fat that he's got to uh, get rid of and. He also has braces, which is really funny, but he is very aggressive, loves to get downhill, kind of can score uh, from all three levels. I don't know how his defense is, but he chose us over places like Butler, Xavier, Missouri, I think. Um, he's a four-star too, so he definitely has talent. I don't know how much he'll play this year. He's kind of clearly third in the totem pole as far as forwards go, but I think- I think he'll get his opportunities, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I think he, I, he he's like a classic Ewing recruit. The guy has an endless motor. He's super springy, as you said. He loves getting up and down the court, and he's going to battle every single inch that he's in the game. Will it be pretty always? No. <laughs> but I think especially during these first couple of games, in games where Georgetown plays against mid-majors, he's going to have to get some minutes and get, get acclimated because – there are going to be some games where Pickett, Alexander, things may not be working for them. Yeah, yeah. Because neither one of them, for as much praise as we could heap upon one or the other for things that they do well, neither one of them is a sure thing. Yes, so that's for sure. Gardner could potentially be thrust into a bigger role than anybody can really foresee. And I think he made the right choice coming here because of that unknown at the wing position. He's someone who maybe next year, if things don't really work out with Pickett and Alexander this year, and he kind of steps up, he has a shot to be the starter next year. He at really that does. No, you're right. You're right. I don't, I don't want to underestimate him. I was just more talking for this year. But you're right. Mm -hmm. We can see. Right? What? Go surprise me. Go prove me wrong. Absolutely. And then I think we have two more players left, right? Yeah, we got our two... I think both are expected to redshirt, but we got... That would make the most sense. Timmy Gahofe and Malcolm Wilson. Uh, Timmy is straight out of Nigeria, he's, and he is a big boy. He's 6'11", 250, broad, chiseled. I think He's only 18, which fucking blows my mind. I'm like, it's insane. Uh, but he is very raw. Uh, hasn't played organized basketball much in his life, I believe. But was the uh, MVP of the... NBA Euro or the NBA Africa camp, if that means anything. <laughs> hey, it's better than nothing. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Ewing, I mean, found this guy last September. So he clearly had his eyes on him for a while. Yeah, I would certainly say so. Again, Georgetown slowly becoming big, <laughs> slowly becoming big man you as Ewing just keeps showing how dominant of a recruiter that he is for centers and for good reason. <laughs> Why wouldn't he be as this good yeah. of a recruiter for yeah. centers? It's just, if you're a dominant, if you're a big man, seven foot or old over, and you are looking for the best program to go and get your skills refined and to learn how to play this position, why would you go anywhere other than Georgetown? <laughs> yeah. 
You want to hear? So at the NBA, the G League had a player invitational in Africa. His wingspan is 7'8". Mm-hmm. His standing reach is eight foot eleven, and his one step vertical is eleven feet. That's ridiculous. So this, that's in, that's like Rudy Gobert type stuff. Yeah, it is. No, so it really no, Bamba, Georgetown but. fans that even though he won't really be available this year, you got yourself what could be a very raw diamond in the rough. Seriously, forward. seriously, I I I would not be surprised if by I don't know his junior year. He's starting. I mean, I don't know how our recruiting is going to go afterwards, but I got, I got, I got, you know, enough hope in how Ewing trains bigs, even just in the small sample sizes we had with Marcus and Jesse, and we'll see with Omer. Don't forget Trey Morning, number two pick in the NBA. (laughs) (laughs) Bro, Zoe has to be paying people now. There's no way that that. Like I listen, I appreciated what Trey did last year. You know, he was a leader. He was really positive, did everything he could. The guy just isn't Dude, good. That's what you say. Yeah, good. that's what you say about someone who sucks. That, like, yeah. <laughs> great like, teammate, you know, great locker room presence. Kept all the bench seats warm. Yeah, man. I, I Remember when we were like, yo, this guy might be the key to us. <laughs> Bro, that was one of our worst days. That was after we the camp. Saying, they were like, it's like we're. It's like we might as well have just been smoking pot. We were like, bro, dude, that was Trey Morning's <laughs> the key to everything. <laughs> that was remember the Campbell game. He had like twenty eight and eleven or something ridiculous. Yeah, Jesus Christ, he's the reason we beat Campbell because that little bastard Chris Clemens dude. just dropped like fifty on us. In that dude, one. that's the uh, that's the um, shit. What is it now? Uh, he's on the Rockets. He yes, he is. Team. Yeah. And he absolutely should because that kid is ridiculous. Yeah. Hard over hype, man. Yeah, now he gets to learn from Russ and James. Yeah, that's crazy. It's um, good for him. So, yeah. Last, in addition to Tim, the other expected redshirt is Malcolm Wilson. He is a three-star, another big rail fin, like 6'11", yeah. maybe 205. It's, it's I saw him honestly. on campus during homecoming, and he is a very, very thin guy. Yeah. So it'll give him some time to really work on the weight room yeah. and pump himself up a bit. Yeah, he's definitely going to have to gain a lot of weight in order to be able to play. But I assume Ewing sees something in him too, at least from – he got limited run in the Bahamas and was a great shot blocker. He's super long uh, and has good timing on that. He's much more refined than uh, Tim is. So – as far as what he'll expected to contribute or be expected to contribute, I assume it won't be for a few years, but eventually, you know, backup big, rim protection, rebounding, couple finishes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think I, I, overall, I get why people look at the Georgetown team and say, ah, well, they don't really have a ton of impact newcomers but when you really dig down and look at the roster look what ewing is trying to do i I think that's a very dangerous assumption just to say because they don't have a big name and you have to think omer he wasn't on the team (laughs) he wasn't playing last year yeah and he's a starter and he's going to be expected to really play like a very solid five for this team to be successful so i think it's i think it's important though to look at the other returning players and try to understand what their roles are going to be this year, 100%. what they need to do to step up and make this team successful. Oh, hundred percent. Let's get to it. Um, one more mention though, is that we got a commit from Terrence Williams over the summer. 
who is uh, oh, do we really? Yeah, really solid four star. I think he's probably in the sixties on ESPN from from Gonzaga, which is like thank God, right? We finally yes. got a DC recruit. Terrell Allen also went to Gonzaga. Just found that out. Yeah, he did. So at least we're reestablishing some of our DMV roots. Uh, he actually played "Welcome to DC" in his commitment video. So I love oh, him. Oh, ar- yep. I love him yep. already. I remember that. Gonna yeah. have to get him on the pod. Oh, uh, dude, a thousand percent. Um, but yeah, looking into the expected, you know, main contributors for this year, we kind of mentioned it already, but I think the big three of James, Omer, and Mac are going to be who we rely on for the majority of our offense. Without a doubt, I, I couldn't agree with that more. And you look at each one of them, and I think they really have to work on different things. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, I, who do you want to start with? Because we can jump into a, a bunch of different things on all three of the players. I think we should start with James. Yeah, so with James... Because he's probably our best player, I'd say. Or will be yeah. our best player this year. James is someone who's really going to have to be a two-way player in the, 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 the deepest of meaning. And he's a guy who's going to have to step up and lead this team. He's going to have to limit his turnovers because turnovers were a bit of an issue for him last year. He needs to keep himself on the court because a lot of times he's going to be guarding that dominant point guard on the other team because the Big East has a lot of really good ball handlers. Yeah. So he's going to have to stay disciplined and stay on the court. Just because we have Terrell Allen now doesn't mean that we can afford James going to the bench for foul trouble. No. Nah. <laughs> and he's got to learn how to be a little bit more efficient than he was last year. Yeah. His passing was great. When he's in the pick and roll, his passing and his vision has been fantastic. And I think it's just going to be exemplified more with Omer because Jesse just wasn't able to do certain things that I think Omer will be able to do in the pick and roll. Yeah. But I think James is also going to have to realize that he doesn't necessarily need to be taking more than, I would say, seven to nine shots per game. To Ooh. be successful offensively. Wow. Okay. That's actually way less than I thought. Um, I- yeah, I, I, I legitimately think if James can learn to be about six or nine, nice, from the field, <laughs> <laughs> like around per games and boost his efficiency, again, it's, it's very wishful thinking. Yeah. And he probably will be shooting. I would probably, if I was to guess, he'd probably be shooting 11 to 14 times per game. Yeah, I was going to put it at 13. Um, so, but I think there will be games where he is not working and he's going to really have to recognize that it's not his night and be more of a distributor. Yeah. And I think understanding your role game to game is what's going to define success and failure for him. I think and having the maturity to accept that. 100%, yeah. I think James, what he struggled with last year was actually just two-point shots. From three, he shot about 38%, if I remember correctly, on about five a game, which we'll take that any day of the week. Yeah. But I think he really he couldn't finish around the rim. He didn't really have a floater. He had a little bit of a mid-range, but he couldn't get to it off the dribble. He began to get that a little bit at the end of last year, but I think his real struggle is going to be if people crowd him and don't give him open shots around the arc, which of course they will, it's going to be tough for him to initiate things without, you know, a monster screen from Omer or a really crafty ball handling move that may be a turnover more often than not, especially if he tries to dance on people and gets happy feet. Sure, I could definitely see that. Um, but, and we were speaking a lot about how if you combine James and Mac, you'd get a super player. Yeah. 
pretty opposites in what they do well versus what they don't. Um, but I, James is, it's interesting that you say he really has to avoid dancing on people because there are times when you watch James, he kind of gets absorbed into how good of a ball handler he is. And he's like, yeah. I can beat you flat out because I am a ridiculous, I have ridiculous handles. And he does. But James also lacks that explosive first step yes, that we yes. see from McClung that allows you to finish that move and completely get by a defender. It works sometimes, but when he's facing a guy who knows what James is trying to do, it's not necessarily going to work a lot. Yeah, yeah. He's got, he relies on having to fool people, which runs out after a while, and that's, that's tiring too. But And again, that, that's where his role as a distributor can come in. No, you're right. You're right. So he just has to, I think for James to really step up his game, the awareness has to go up. The awareness, yeah. the understanding of, okay, what am I trying to do in this situation? Am I trying to look for my shot? Am I trying to get it to Omer down low, Josh, or to Marco? What is the situation calling for? What is the defense giving me? How am I best equipped to beat that? If he can do that, he's going to have a good season. Yeah, I agree with you. Um one thing important to note, he's up to 185 now, and he does clearly look a fair amount bigger. Um, he cut his hair. We saw hair. that picture of him with the, the chain around his neck. <laughs> yeah, bro, Jesus. Um, like, you want to talk about intense. Yeah, he cut his hair. Uh, it's a good uh, look, I think. I, really? I, I kind of like the dreads, but... Uh, See, the dreads give him... I think he kind of looks a little... I don't know. Do you think he looks younger now? I think so. With the buzz cut? I think, I so. think he does look a little younger. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's kind of what RJ did too with the Knicks. Like, he had long hair, cut it down. And it's, mm-hmm. Until it grows back, like, it'll be a little. Uh, yeah, I think it's a good look. But, I think he looks fine. Yeah, I think he looks. I'm, it's I'm much not, better I'm than what I'm, I'm not going to tell him anything, bro. You know that. <laughs> yeah, you walk um, around, you see James, like, James, grow the, grow the, grow the drags, dreads back. But yeah. It looks yeah. much better. Because me and my. Uh, me and my canvas shoes and my khakis, yeah, he's not taking. Yeah, that. but uh, I'll say for sure, it's a better look than Max haircut was last year. <laughs> hey, was this, so dude, rough. college freshmen make mistakes. All right, we both know that. Oh my god, more than we would like to say. Yeah. What do you think about uh, Mac? Because I know yeah. you're your uh, your top priority in the Mac McClung fan club <laughs> here on campus. Hey, hey, now that I've met him, I think I I've chilled out a lot. But yeah, you're right. Every so often, I just search his name on Twitter, see what happens. Uh, I can't say I've done that in like a year. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, James is also listed at six one. One other thing I wanted to add. So I don't know if they're being generous, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, I think with Mac, the main thing is he he is the type of person who is so obsessive, personality wise, with basketball that I'm expecting a lot of growth from him as far as what we see on the court. Uh, you know, not only the experience of playing a year at high-level basketball, which Mac lacks in terms of experience compared to someone like James, but I think also his understanding of the nuances of the game, rather than just being, I, this is actually a really great phrase, I forget who said it, but it's like, rather than being an athlete who plays basketball, you're a basketball player now who happens to be a great athlete. I, and I yes, I, I think Mac is. You understand that, right? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think Mac is is going to transition more towards that. And from what I've seen from a skills perspective, I'm very encouraged. Uh, his handle looks much better. 
in terms of his ability to be decisive with it. Uh, he also did have a little bit of a tendency to try to dance, but it wouldn't go anywhere. Like, he would do a lot of moves. No, because his handles weren't good enough. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, he would do a move, not get by you, and then just get by you with his explosiveness. But now it, it seems like a more fluid combination of the handles to get him places, which makes me so excited. Um, and this, this is judging off of Kenner League and Bahamas too, but, uh, you know, I think the, uh, the jumper is also much improved, in my opinion. Uh, he fixed, like, 100% fixed where his arms are. I don't know how he did it in one summer. That's probably, you know, because of how hard he works. But it's just, it's perfect now. The form and everything. Like, no it's gas. Called the magic. It's... it's called the magic of Drew Hanlon. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he was working out with him a couple times in L.A., and I'm sure um, he probably told him, like, Mac, <laughs> you look like a chicken when you shoot because your arms are out so much. Yeah. And Neil, the need of Mac's game last year was was that shot falling. Yeah. If the shot was falling, he was going to be productive from a scoring perspective. Yeah, he was giving you if it 20. wasn't, he was going to struggle. Yeah. So it will be interesting to see how much he has grown and that's really the key to every single player entering their sophomore year how quickly and how much have you grown from your freshman year yeah obviously you've shown flashes but have you taken that step mentally to be able to do that consistently and be effective from ways that are a little bit more diverse than you were freshman year 100 percent yeah i think I think that's all it is. Um, and with Mac, I think, it, again, happen, it needs to happen on both sides of the court. He yes. needs to expand his offensive game to the point where he can be helpful, even if his shot from outside isn't falling, which there will be games. He needs to be able to beat defenders off the dribble, even if they're giving him the shot. And defense, he can't look like a chicken with his head cut off. <laughs> He's got to – he can't be – consistently getting beat and being having to take out because he's not being effective back there. It's fine not to be the best defender on the team. Nobody's expecting that. We're just ask, we're just asking for competence. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we're not good enough to hide him either. No, not at all. We were, defense was one of our weak points last year. I don't think it will be as glaringly obvious this year, especially with some lineups that we can run out. But Yeah, imagine playing Alexander at the two. That would be a big lineup. That'd be a huge lineup. Yeah, I think our one. Especially struggle... if you start Jake and at one. I know that'd be weird. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, coach starts like Jake at the three. He did a lot of those lineups last year, or Terrell at the three. Yeah, the lineup that he after he benched Pickett, Pickett late towards the end of last year, he was rolling with lineups of James, Mac, Jagan. Josh and Jesse, yeah. and that is that was as small as it got. I think That's that was a lot a starting of lineup. I just realized <laughs> James. Yeah, James everybody but ja everybody but Mac. Yeah. Um, but I think again, even with you could look at Josh and say the same exact thing. His awareness has to stay high. He can't be fouling. But I, although I do think Josh is more skill dependent than it is with James and Mac, um, for him to take a bit of a leap. Like he's got to be able to stretch the floor more. He's got to be able to score more than kind of like a, like a cleanup guy yeah. around the rim. And uh, when you look at Mac and James, I think a lot of it has to do with the mental growth and subtle skills that he, they add rather than glaring. I think it's kind of opposite. I think you're right, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if James's stats aren't that much different from last year. 
but just his quality of play is much higher. Like lower turnovers, yeah. higher percentage from the field. Because people forget, even though James won freshman of the year, he the, early in the Big East play, man, it was tough to watch sometimes. Yeah. He really, really struggled at times. So even if the stats are similar, if you want to dive deeper into the more analytical view, he's probably going to create more shots than he did last year. His turnovers are probably going to dip, and he's just going to play a cleaner game, which is what you want from your point guard. 100%, yeah. Um, I think, I think yeah, if we're expecting Mac, I do expect his scoring to go up, especially because we saw once he got used to the college play, in Big E's play, he averaged probably about 16, 18. So that's around where I'd put him this year. Um, you know, optimistic. Like, if he blows our expectations out of the water, he could definitely hit 20 because the shots will be there for him. But I don't think that'll happen. Uh, well, efficiency, too. I think Big E's play shot about 40% from the field. I would love if he got up towards 45. I think that, that would, would be, be great. And, like, mid-30s from three, low mid-30s from three, that would be well, outstanding. Well, we all know that Mac can score from multiple different levels on the field. We saw him be able to hit from three occasionally. And one thing that he loves was he loves attacking the rim, but not necessarily finishing there. He would do that little bit of a jump, hop, one-arm shot yeah, yeah. A, couple of, a couple of feet out from the rim. That was pretty much money. He usually didn't miss that. So all that matters is can you, do, can you be able to get to those spots consistently enough to put yourself in a position to to get these numbers night in night out because that's what we need from him is he he has a chance to be our best pure scorer on the team this yeah, year yeah that that's actually something i was going to predict i bet he leads us in scoring i would agree with that i think that's of I, I don't even think necessarily it's a big time prediction i think no, it's a safe either. prediction yeah. i think he's most likely to without a doubt yeah i i think also too another thing is his weight didn't change. He actually went up a pound. He's 6'2", 186 now. But he looks a lot thinner. See, I haven't seen him in person, so I can't say to that. It's, it's, it's quite noticeable. It's actually, as long it's, as he's got that uh, springiness, I'm okay. Oh, it's still there. Yeah, but it's, it's very interesting to see. I wonder if he probably bulked up after high school for, for college play. He was 175 in high school, so I assume getting to 185, you know, you bulk up, you gain a little bit of fat there. But... Yeah, I don't he probably know. trimmed himself a little yeah. bit. Yeah, oh, definitely. He, got on, he got on that Chris Hemsworth plan right then. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, dude. That thing's still kicking my ass. But it works. It yeah. absolutely works. Yeah. No, yeah, but you, Ewing's getting him in shape, man. He better be. I want to dive into Omer right now to close yes. out the episode. And he is – listen, we keep looking at these guys and we're like, all right, well, it's crucial that he takes another step. It's crucial. But for any team to continue – to sustain success and for a team to stay, take the next step, the players have to. They have to be able to recognize what they weren't doing good enough the season before and build on it and correct those mistakes. And to be honest with you, I'm least worried about Omer here at seven out of anyone on this team. Hmm. Okay. I was going to say I'm least worried about James. But yeah, I, I, I get the James least worriedness. I, I, there's something about the sophomore slump that, and its unpredictability that has me a little cautious about the three of them. And with Omer, he had an entire year to sit, digest, watch how defenses guarded Jesse, watch how Jesse failed to adapt a lot of the times, 
and enhance his skills. And I think he's going to be able to mold his play to give Georgetown what they need night in and night out. Yeah, you know what? I think he is more versatile than we think or, or than we realize. See, I don't think he's going to be as good of a scorer as Jesse was. Jesse was a guy who you could really rely on and you really didn't have a choice but to rely on him to score high levels of points per games and that's really what he gave you. He wasn't a great defender. He was very he was a very good pick and pop, pick and roll guy, good working on the right block, turning with that right yeah. shoulder, getting the hook up, but Omer can do different things, probably not as well as Jesse could do a couple. He's not as good of a shooter yeah. as Jesse was. Yeah. But Omer's a better defender. He's, I think he's really goddamn good in the low post. Yeah. And, you know. Better rebounder. Yeah. I think his awareness could probably get better on the defensive side. Um, yeah, he got abused a few times in the Kenner League, even off pick and rolls or just rotating over uh, towards a driving player that got by their man. But that's, I think, reps, too. Yeah, and I, I, I think, honestly, what we're going to see from Omer is close to a double-double average. And I think it's going to be around 13.5 points per game and, like, 11 rebounds. Okay. I, I was Which is what I really think this team needs. I was going to put him up towards 15 just because that's what he averaged at NC State in very few minutes. But, I uh, yeah, I think he's, he can shoot a bit for sure. Like, he could definitely stretch the floor and he'll hit an open shot. Uh, dominant in the low post. He, I think he runs the pick and roll so much better than Jesse, too. Like, I remember when you and I were watching that Harvard game last year. There oh were so many God. passes that James made that Jesse either missed, mishandled, got blocked, couldn't finish because of contact. And I'm like, Omer is making all of those. Yes. So yes. I think he'll get a lot of buckets just from that. You know, even because James is a crazy good pocket passer. Yeah, he is, and that's something that a lot of people didn't get to see last year because it didn't come up in the highlight reels because Jesse wasn't making those clean catches and finishing at the rim that he should be. So it's, that is one of the most interesting connections I'm going to be looking at early in this season. Yeah. How does James work with Omer in the pick and roll? How does Omer collect his passes? Because James is one of the best pure passing guards in the Big East. That I much is clear. I would say he's probably the best one. Yeah, when you look at it, Marcus Howard isn't as good of a passer. Powell, I wouldn't even say, is as good of a passer. Zagorowski, are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, you know what? I, hot take. I bet James averages eight assists this year. It wouldn't surprise me. He's got a better supporting cast around him this year that's more capable of hitting from all over the floor. And who knows? Maybe Javon comes in and hits some threes, Jesus. baby. You know he was our leading scorer in the Bahamas? Yeah, dude, maybe Javon might fuck around and win <laughs> National the Player key. of the Year. Javon is the new Trey Morning. Dude, yeah, he might fuck around and win it all. Oh, my God. I'd love that. Um. <laughs> he might, dude, he, dude, he might screw around and get the number one, become the number one overall pick in the draft. God, over LaMelo? Come on. Over LaMelo. Man. Um, I was thinking, it was so funny, speaking of number one picks, the dubs are going to be ass this year. So imagine Dude, them getting yeah. the number one pick, getting someone like James Wiseman, and then running it back next year and winning it. Like, that's what I think oh. is going to happen. With the first pick of the 2020 NBA draft, the New York Knicks select Javon Blair. Ewing would have to make every phone call he has ever owed in his entire life. 
could you imagine you and I would just probably have to I would not be a Knicks fan anymore I would I would have to take a three-month retreat into the wilderness because I wouldn't be able to I'd become a Hawks fan (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'll hop on the Trey Young uh, bandwagon. Yeah, I'm a big Trey Young fan. Um, he's he's really really good. Wow. Um, yeah. I, I well, without getting too sidetracked, I think our second episode will be more of a breakdown of the uh, you know the schedule, how we think the season's gonna go. But as far as the recap we've done here, I think you know fuck us, but we're optimistic. <laughs> And listen, there's a reason I, I, you can, I, dude, I was, I get optimistic over everything. You things that way. I think it's a lot more pleasant to get excited and it also makes it easier for your heart to get broken. But Hey, you know, such, such is life. You know, even I was optimistic about the jets coming into this season. Look how that's ended up. Yeah. <laughs> They're in the dumpster. Once Mono, again. Mono will do that to you. Mono will. And uh, so will Adam Gase, that fucking rat bastard of a coach. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but listen, this team, there's no reason not to be optimistic, but it will explain it a little bit more in detail when we release the second episode. There's a reason to be optimistic, but there's also a reason to be cautious because the Big East is going to be damn good this year. Yeah, yeah, UConn's coming back. Well, not this year, but oh, I think there's not? a solid. Oh. Yeah, no, not not they're not in the conference this year. Oh, okay. Um, My bad. Yeah, I mean, I it's all right. We would have taken them out twice anyway, but. I think if you look at these, the teams and the way they're calibrated this year, I think there are seven legitimately good teams in this league. Hmm. And I think about six are going to make the tournament. Yeah, I think last year was a bit of a down year, Big East-wise. Oh, 100%. I think think it'll return to form this year, which will require us to step up our game. And I think, you know, the way we play, we'll be ready for that competition. We we certainly will be, but... It also is going to mean no game. This team won't be able to take more than one game off at a time. What yeah. I mean by that is this team would occasionally go to sleep on one team and then wake up the next one. Remember when we lost by 40 points at DePaul? <laughs> and then we beat Marquette, right? Yep. So <laughs> we can't afford to be doing that this year. No, you're right. Um, but, again, we'll, we'll break down that. In the second episode but other than that i think it was a great uh recap of the offseason breakdown of the players and what they need to do to be successful yeah man i i, I can't believe we're back <laughs> hell yeah baby oh, yes, but uh baby. i think i think we should make one more announcement about uh the name before we uh conclude oh so, so. yeah i kind of been sitting on it too our name sucks yeah it's terrible <laughs> it, it's just terrible i mean nothing about it is good yeah. Hey, we thought we were try. We tried for a long time, but I, I think we like the DC part, though. I would. I, we're definitely gonna keep that. Well, we we found two themes: DC, Washington DC, Dana Carter, and that damn song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what it do, baby? <laughs> welcome to DC. Yeah, I think the welcome to DC podcast. It sounds perfectly. Meh. Yeah, I think that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. I'll take a meh name over a bad name, so. Yeah, <laughs> sounds great to me. Yeah, we can uh, we can try to work that in with our intro song now, too. There are a lot. Yeah, Dude, my puns? Oh, be ready. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, uh, pleasure as always, man. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon, of course, when we run down the season and everything. But, Hell yeah, um, bro. Yeah, keep on keeping on. And then we're back, guys, at long last. <laughs>
Yeah, get ready. It's going to be a long year. <sighs> For sure.